Hi, my name is Steve Bartlett, and welcome to Fight Back. This is the show that I have on every week in which we talk about different topics, in which I try to help people learn how they should be fighting back against injustice and problems in our society. Even though so far this is about the 10th episode that we've had in a row dealing with the uh, problem of gun violence, our show will eventually start talking about other topics, but I promised you that I will not stop talking about guns until we actually exhaust the topic. I got a buddy who watches the show and every week he tells me that the show is not entertainment. He says I act like I'm a teacher and that this is a class. And I'm sorry if the show isn't entertaining. I hope it's not too boring. If I could get people to understand why it's important to try to change the world by juggling or singing or dancing or having a variety show, I would bring in Howie Mandel. We would do America's Got Talent live on the show if I can help change the world. But this is the best that I got. This is the only way I know that I can try to make a difference. So if you're watching, thank you and share this show, uh, like the show and tell your friends about it because the more people who at least are listening, the more likely they might be willing to get off their ass and try to actually change the world. Um, when I was a kid, my parents used to take me to nothing but Disney movies. I saw all the Disney cartoons when they came out in the, last, in the late 60s. So I remember going to the movies. I was like two years old and I saw The Jungle Book. And that's all I saw when you're a little kid is you just see Disney movies or other cartoons. But in I think 1971 or 1972, I finally got to see my first adult grown-up movie. And that movie was a movie called The Poseidon Adventure. And I absolutely loved that movie, The Poseidon Adventure, because when I saw it at the movies, I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know that a tidal wave was going to come and the ship would go upside down and they were all going to drown and they got a, just a great movie. I loved it. it it's, it's hokey. The special effects are pretty lame by today's standards. But I just thought it was a fantastic movie when I was a kid. And I've seen it about 100 times. If it's on HBO or some channel, I, I can't change the channel. I have to watch The Poseidon Adventure. But the more you watch a movie, the more you pick up on little things. And the one thing that I really like about The Poseidon Adventure is its religious theme. In that movie, Gene Hackman plays the Reverend, and he's kind of like Reverend Blue Jeans. He's kind of a hipster kind of Reverend. And at the beginning of the movie, he has this debate, which kind of frames the point of the whole film with, a, with I think he's a priest, and they talk about the role of prayer in changing things. And the older man says that you just put your faith in God and you pray for there to be changes and you just hope that God makes the changes. And Gene Hackman's character, who's the younger you know, minister, says that he doesn't believe in that. He believes that God wants people to help themselves and that people can pray for strength or courage, but people need to save themselves and make changes themselves. You can't count on God to make the changes for you. Okay, and, at the, and, and that theme goes through the whole movie as, as he wants the survivors to fight for survival and the old, the old reverend says, no, no, we have to stay put and God will rescue us. And he's like, no, we have to push on. God wants people to fight. God wants people to try. God wants people to help themselves. And I always like that theme in the movie, The Sign Adventure. And, and you start realizing these things the more you watch a movie. But the reason why I'm talking about this is um, we had last week, or was it two weeks ago, time seems to go by quickly the older you get. We had another shooting. This time it was in Santa Fe, uh, the Santa Fe High School in Texas. And um, once again, the politicians got on television and said the same typical BS, which is we're sending hopes and prayers to the families, hopes and prayers to the victims. And you know what? 
Hopes and prayers are meaningless. We do not need to pray for the families. We do not need to pray for the victims. If there is a God, I'm sure the victims are already with the Almighty. And if there is a God and God is loving, without our prayers, he will try to diminish the sadness of, of the parents who lost children in that tragedy. If we are going to send hopes and prayers, we need to start sending hopes and prayers to ourselves. We need hope and prayers so that we can have the strength and the courage and the wisdom to get off our asses and start doing what's right. We need the strength to stand up to our politicians and say enough is enough. We need to change the laws. We need to stop allowing this constant violence. God is not going to stop bullets from killing our children. Only we can stop these bullets from killing our children, and that's what we have to do. We have to get off our asses and start doing something. So if you want to pray to God, pray for yourself. Pray for wisdom. Pray for courage to make the changes that we need to make. Now, for the last nine or ten weeks, I've been talking about all the different problems, all the different angles about gun violence. Tonight, I'm going to start trying to propose solutions into how I think we can start fixing the problems. And the first thing we have to realize is we have to stop this damn tribalism. We have to stop how liberals and Democrats are on one side and Republicans and conservatives are on the other. Okay, this is a problem that faces all Americans, not just the red states, not just the blue states, but everybody. Okay, and we have to start working together. And if we don't start working together, our country's never going to fix our problem. So we have to end this damn tribalism, and we have to end it right away. So when we come back from break, I'm going to start talking about my plans. It's going to be a long plan, not just one plan, on how we're going to start changing things. See you right after a word from our sponsor. I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hot Locks is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. Welcome back to Fight Back. Now, before the break, I told you that we have to stop this tribalism. And there's a lot of things that both liberals and conservatives need to admit 
before we can start tackling the problems. Let's start with the liberals first. I'll start my own tribe, okay? Liberals must realize the following. First, not all gun owners are crazy militia, sovereign, city, sovereign citizen, nut job extremists. Okay, there's reasonable gun owners, people who just want to protect their families, people who are scared of violence, people who believe in the Second Amendment. Not everyone who supports gun rights are crazy nut jobs. Liberals have to realize that. Okay, we also have to realize that most gun owners do not commit crimes with the guns. Most gun owners are law-abiding citizens. Liberals have to realize that as well. Liberals have to also realize that just because a person owns what we call an assault weapon doesn't make the person crazy and also doesn't make them a mass murderer. Most people who own these assault weapons are law-abiding citizens who haven't hurt anybody and won't hurt anybody. And liberals have to realize, even though it must kill us, that yes, sometimes on occasion, Good guys with guns do stop bad guys with guns. Liberals have to admit that. However, on the other hand, conservatives have to admit some truths as well, even if it hurts them to do that. The first one is they can't keep ignoring that gun violence is a problem. It is a problem. Gun violence is a very real problem. I've already had a show saying about all the deaths that occur due to gun violence. More people die in Pasco County from gun violence each year than in Tokyo, Japan. We also have to let conservatives know the truth that reasonable steps must be taken to fix the problem. We can't pray to Jesus to miracle it away. Okay, the Second Amendment needs to be tinkered with a little bit Okay, we have to have laws that protect people and protect your gun rights, but we have to try to address the problem. We can't ignore the problem any further. And conservatives have to realize that reasonable gun laws are not an assault on liberty. Not every time a government wants to pass a reasonable Gun law does not mean that we've become a fascist totalitarian government. It's not a reason to take up arms and ask for Second Amendment remedies and overthrow the government. Okay? Reasonable gun laws is not the same thing as tyranny. Okay? Now let's talk about the fact that gun laws are constitutional. In Columbia versus Heller, the Supreme Court Justice Scalia, okay, the god of conservative jurists, for the first time in American history, declared that the Second Amendment does protect an individual's right to own a gun. But that's all it does. It does not do anything more than that. Okay? To quote Scalia directly, nothing in our opinion should be taken to cast doubts on long-standing prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings, or laws imposing conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of guns. So even though people have a right to own a gun and government can't take away that right, the government can regulate that right and can, and can pass laws. Gun control is constitutional, even in the eyes of Scalia. Laws forbidding felons from owning guns, gun-free zones, background checks, waiting periods, gun registration, bans on assault weapons are all constitutional. So let's end that myth that that's an assault on your liberty. Is it smart? Should we do it? 
That's up for reasonable debate, but something must be done, and these measures are reasonable measures. And if people who are such enthusiasts for guns are unwilling to compromise, then what's going to happen is then someone's going to say, you know what, screw you guys. We are going to take all your guns. But I don't want to do that. I am not proposing that. I have a lot of friends, and I talk a great deal about this, and I've listened to them. And I realize that for us to make progress in trying to solve the problems of gun violence, it requires a balancing test. Okay? Like the God Cygnus in um, this Rush album, okay? Which is a nice um, stretch off the album Hemispheres, in case you didn't get that. The God of Balance I Shall Be. And that's what we need. We need a balancing test. Okay? Here's the goal. The goal is to decrease gun violence. However, the goal is not just to decrease gun violence, but in the least restrictive means possible, while respecting the rights of gun owners. The goal is to save lives while respecting the law protecting gun enthusiasts. It's a balancing test. You have to bend a little bit, people. Gun enthusiasts can't own guns whatever they want, take them wherever they want, and do with them whatever they want without any government control. We can't allow that to happen anymore. There has to be a give and take. So I'm willing to compromise. I'm not saying lose your guns, we're taking your guns, we're going to let you keep your guns. We just have to have reasonable laws. And I'm going to tell you what we need to start doing. Okay? Now, there is no magic pill solution to gun violence. There's nothing that we can do that's going to actually fix the problem. There's no magic wand that can be done. Because as any adult knows, complicated problems require complicated solutions. There's no one magic law that I can pass that God Almighty can say, I have passed this law and there won't be any more gun violence anymore. It doesn't happen. Okay, and the reason why it's so complicated is that not every gun death is the same as every other gun death. There are different causes of gun violence, each one with their own challenges, each one with their own type of solution. What is a good solution for one type of gun death is not a solution for another type of gun death. So let me just go back. I've already talked about this on the other show. What I've identified is the seven different major types of gun deaths that we have problems with. One is suicides. Another is accidents. A third is gang on gang violence. A fourth problem is gun deaths caused during the commission of a crime, like a, like a robbery or a burglary or something like that. A fifth one is domestic violence. A guy sees his wife cheating on him, so he kills his wife in a fit of rage. Another type is a heat of passion, not domestic. People get into a road rage or get into a fight, and the one kills the other, like a guy who shoots somebody in a movie theater because popcorn's thrown in his face. And then finally, there's the mass shootings, which are due to people who are either mentally ill or terrorist attacks. Okay, that's the major types. But just because there is a problem of the gun violence doesn't mean that the solution is the same for each type. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about how we have to fight gun violence.
Hi, I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hollox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. Like I said, there is no magic pill solution for gun violence. A solution for one type of gun violence might not be the proper solution for another type of gun violence. For instance, people talk about background checks and waiting periods. Well, that might be good for reducing domestic violence deaths and suicides, but background checks and waiting periods are not going to stop deaths caused by gang violence. That's just one example of how a solution proposed for one type of gun violence is not a solution for all types of gun violence. What we need is an all of the above approach. Okay, so just because one thing doesn't work for one thing doesn't mean we should ignore it. If it helps reduce deaths, we should try it. Okay, however, the solutions that we try to propose are sabotaged. Okay, all ideas that come up with, every idea that I come up with is always shut down because the only solution that the NRA cares about are solutions that call for more guns. If people die in schools, we need more guns in schools. Okay, they say that the only thing that can stop people dying from guns is by adding more guns to society. Okay, and I proved through statistics before that that's simply not true. The more guns that a society has, the more people die from guns. Guns are not the solution, guns are the problem. Okay, but the NRA does this by helping suppress data. They don't want research. They want it outlawed. And there's a problem that people don't have the ability to learn the truth because of the data suppression that is sponsored by politicians bought off by the NRA. And instead of facts, because you don't have the data, it's replaced by propaganda. Propaganda like you hear all the time, gun laws don't work. Have you seen statistics proving that? Nope. Instead, they sabotage gun laws. They water them down so they don't work. We need federal gun laws because state gun laws can't really work. If you ban law, if you ban guns in Chicago, you just leave the city of Chicago, you go outside of the city limits, you buy guns, you bring it back to Chicago. We need national gun laws. Okay? Um, and they also do fear-mongering tactics, stuff like liberals want to come take your guns away. If we pass any type of gun restrictions, they're going to come take your guns away. It's not true. There was a federal ban on um, assault weapons during the 1990s. They didn't come take your guns away, did they? Nope. Okay. So the NRA does this. So the number one thing, the first thing we have to do if we want to stop gun violence is we need to break the power of the NRA. That's the first thing we have to do because the NRA is no longer a grassroots organization designed to try to teach gun safety. It has become a multi-million dollar lobbying group trying to make money for gun manufacturers. The NRA's policies are not to decrease deaths but to increase deaths because increased deaths equals more profits for the gun manufacturers. We had a show about that earlier. And then they take those profits, they buy politicians, and they use it to spread pop propaganda. Okay? They use it to spread propaganda against gun violence and to buy politicians. So regardless of what the public wants, regardless of how sensible gun laws might be, regardless of what kind of tragedies that occur like just happened at Santa Fe, the gun lobbyists stop 
any type of progress. So I can come up with all the solutions in the world as to how we can pass this law and this law to stop gun violence, but if the NRA isn't broken up and their power isn't diminished, there's not a damn thing I can do or you can do to try to stop it. We have to stop the power of the NRA. And where does that power come from? The power comes from the fact that politicians are addicts. They are drug addicts. They are serious junkies. Politicians are the biggest junkies in the world. But they're not addicted to cocaine. They're not addicted to heroin. What they're addicted to is money. And there's a direct correlation between money that is raised by politicians and election results. Sure, one person might raise more than another person and, and, and still lose the election. However, there is a strong correlation that any political scientist would tell you is true that the more money a party raises or an individual raises, the more likely they're going to win. Okay, It is a fact. Every politician knows it. That's why they spend most of their time doing nothing to serve the people but to raise more money because more money keeps them in office which gives them power. Former congressman from Pinellas County, David Jolly, was on 60 Minutes two years ago. And it was shocking what happened on, on that 60 Minutes episode. He basically described Congress as being nothing more than a telemarketing firm that during most of business hours during the week are politicians who we are paying they're not in Congress writing bills. They're not, they're not arguing about what's best to help people. What they're doing is they're across the street on the phone begging people for money. They're telemarketers. That's what Jolly said he was told to do by the leadership in Congress when he got there is don't be here in Congress. Don't be at the Capitol. Be across the street on the phone raising money for yourself and the party. They're addicts. They're junkies. Okay? And we need to stop that. And there's different ways we can go about stopping that. And we're going to talk about it for the rest of this show, and we're going to talk about it next show as well. Okay? I'm not going to try to cram everything down because people are sick about guns. I told you I was going to finish the gun topics. I have solutions, and we're going to talk about it. Okay? How do we break the NRA? The first thing we need is we need major lobbying reform. We need to change the laws about lobbying, okay, if we want to help break the power of the NRA. Now, Trump, when he ran for president, ran under the, under the slogan, let's drain the swamp. And liberals, people who supported Bernie Sanders and progressives said, yes, let's drain the swamp. The problem is, I don't think everyone was talking about the same thing. When liberals and progressives hear the term drain the swamp, we hear, let's get lobbyists out of Washington. So they start doing what's good for the country instead of what's good for the people who are bribing them legally by lobbying money. However, Trump has changed that idea of draining the swamp to let's get rid of anybody in Washington who is not a Trump loyalist. Let's get rid of our civil servants who may have been Democrats or Republicans who aren't or aren't Trump loyalists. That's what he means by draining the swamp. But the original definition of draining a swamp was get rid of the lobbyists. And that's what we need to do is we need to reform um, lobbying by changing the laws so that they become more accountable to the public and less accountable to the people who are basically legally bribing them.
Now, what is a lobbyist? Okay, everyone talks about lobbyists, and, and the idea of lobbying is a, is a good idea. Okay, like if you watch Schoolhouse Rock as a kid, they, they, during the I'm Just a Bill speech, you know, they have the, you know, a person wants a red light put on their corner, so they go around and they get a little petition of all the people in the public saying, we need a red light on the corner, and they take pictures of people who've died, and they make a sad film about it, and then they go visit their local politician leader, and they show them the sad film, and they show them all the people who live in the community who, who are on their side to putting a light there and they figure out ideas of how they can actually raise money or who to tax so they can actually pay for the red light by maybe cutting spending on something else and and then you try to use I don't know logic into convincing people to change the law about lobbying I mean you, you use logic to try to get them to pass the law that you want in the past okay that's how lobbying is supposed to work but that's not how lobbying is supposed to work instead lobbyists bribe politicians to do their bidding by raising money for their campaign, by bundling, by doing all kinds of things that the goal is not to help society, but to make the politicians richer, to feed their addiction to money. Because like I said, they're a bunch of junkies. So next week on Fight Back, what we're going to talk about is this. We're going to talk about specific laws on how we can change the lobbying laws to make it so that the public so that they're more accountable to the people and we're going to be talking about other ways we can help bust up the nra see you next week i'm steve bartlett fight back